1: doomed to an inevitable decline I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers Bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans.
0: This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France.
2: What a glorious, glorious morning it is to wake up on this Thursday, the 20th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Waking up in a country that has reaffirmed its belief in 235 years of American tradition, a belief that major changes to the United States of America and America's government and how it affects its citizens must be something that is agreed upon by a majority of members A super majority of members of the representatives we have sent to Washington, D.C. to make our decisions for us. The filibuster stands, my friends. The filibuster stands. What an enormous moment last night. And and I'm going to get to Biden's speech. I've got a couple of great guests coming up today. I'll get to all of that, but I want to start with what happened late last night, maybe even after you went to bed. I don't know when you went to sleep, but if you did not know when you went to sleep, you know this morning. The nuclear option, the destruction of this, the legislative filibuster in the Senate that would have allowed Chuck Schumer and his 50-50 with the tie-breaking vote going to the vice president quote-unquote majority in the United States Senate would have allowed them to destroy how this country elects its leaders, to destroy what the founding fathers put into place as our electoral system, with each state setting its own voting rules, each state setting its own uh, conditions, checking on eligibility, making sure that everybody who wants to vote can vote, but that everybody who wants to vote can only vote once. And that anybody that is not eligible to vote cannot vote. Easy to vote, harder to cheat. That's what the entire thing was about. And last night, Kirsten Cinema, a, a Democrat, a liberal Democrat from Arizona, and Joe Manchin, a moderate Democrat from West Virginia, did what I told you yesterday is heroic work. Heroic work. I I don't like to throw that word around a lot. Police officers and firefighters and first responders and military personnel, those are heroes. They put their lives on the line every day for our safety. There are also heroes in other ways, life-saving doctors and nurses. Not often that I would look at a politician and call him a hero. But I'll tell you what, when you are a member of, of the Democrat Party in 2022, the progressive, far-left, socialist Democrat Party of 2022, and you are willing and you have the courage, the backbone, the intestinal fortitude, to stand up and say, no, this is bad for America. Even though it might be good for our party, and even if I just joined the crowd, the other 48 Democrats in the Senate, I, I, I could be inconspicuous here. I could very easily just blend into the crowd and vote yes to blow up the filibuster and then vote yes to blow up America's electoral system, federalize it, and it would almost guarantee our power to win elections from now until Armageddon, until forever. I could just blend in there and nobody would see me any differently than they do the other 49 of my colleagues. We all voted the same way. I'm not going to get hit. That would be a very easy route to take. It would be very easy to say, I'm just going to follow the crowd. It would be very easy to say, I'm just going to do what everybody else in my party is doing. That way, the blame, if there is any to come for uh, blowing up the filibuster, would be shared by the entire party, and I wouldn't be singled out. I would just be another voter, another senator casting a, a vote that is in keeping with my party's beliefs. That would have been the easy way to go. But instead, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin didn't blend in with their party, knowing it would be safe for them, knowing knowing it would be safe for them electorally, in their in their various states in terms of reelection, in the respective states, I should say. But instead, they, they went Robert Frost. They took the road less traveled. They traveled a road in w- which came to a split in the woods, and they chose the road less traveled by. And that it makes all of the difference. They didn't follow 48 other Democrats down the other path toward destruction of the filibuster, and essentially, destruction of the Senate's way of governing forever. They chose the road less traveled by. They chose their own path, and they said, This is better for the country. And if this costs me with my party, I'm willing to bear that burden. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to carry that cross. That's heroic, no matter how you slice it. Two. Moderate to liberal Democrats did what was right for the country. It is now over. It is now over. The Freedom to Vote Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, are now gone. And that is a phenomenal, phenomenal victory for the American people. All American people. For Republicans and Democrats and independents. It's a victory for all of us. Because again, if we're going to pass laws that are going to fundamentally change the American landscape. It was set up in the Senate by our founding fathers that they have to have a, have a massive majority, not a simple majority, but, you, but that you need two-thirds of the vote. You need at least 60 votes to pass certain legislation, two-thirds for others, and that means you're never going to have just single-party rule with that many. You're going to have to come together, people on the Republican side and the Democrat side. Back then, I don't know if they would have called it the conservative side and the leftist liberal side, but at any rate, the Republican and the Democrat side would have to come together to get something to pass with 60 votes that was that fundamental to changing this country rather than a simple majority, and in this case, there is no majority. It's a 50-50 tie. They would have used the tiebreaker to advance. So this is huge. Yesterday, I told you to call and leave messages, email and leave messages for Cinema. And and for Manchin, I don't know if you did or not. I did. I don't know if you did or not, but all I know is I wanted to make sure that they had the strength of their own resolve to go into a vote, if it happened last night, which it did, uh, to do what they said they would do when they told the media, we are not going to support blowing up the filibuster. It is too important. So that's the huge, huge news from yesterday, from last night. I know, obviously, Joe Biden's (sighs) embarrassing. I could sit here and list a bunch of adjectives to describe what we all saw yesterday, but I'm just going to kind of summarize it with this embarrassing. There's a reason he has not done a press conference in months where he actually has to face the questions of the press pool. There's a reason. And yesterday you saw what that reason was. This man is not all there. That is clear. That is abundantly evident. He is not all there. And what is there is so extraordinary delusional. In terms of what is right for this country, it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to feel sorry for the guy until he starts yelling at reporters and then it's really easy to not feel sorry for the guy which is something else he did. We'll get into that after we do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, go ahead and stand for me if you would. Face the flag if you have one nearby. Put your hand on your heart. Far leftist Biden supporters, if you're among the 28% or whatever the number is of Biden supporters that still exist in this country, as 72% want him out, if you're still one of them, take a knee next to your favorite quarterback. We know how you feel. For the rest of us,
0: I pledge allegiance to the flag
2: Did I just say that uh, he's not all there, that Joe Biden is really just not cognitively still in the game? That And it's a shame, by the way. I was playing some of the clips of him from 2005 when he was a younger man 17 years ago, thundering away at those who would dare to challenge the filibuster. Uh, you know and, and, and just how loud and and coherent and even though he was wrong, ideologically he was he was very good at making his arguments and Now to listen to him, stand up there and slur and and, and, and ramble and forget where he was and what he was talking about, the decline is so painfully evident to everybody except for and this is how it usually is, except for the patient forty nine percent of registered voters
3: disagreeing with the statement. Joe Biden is mentally fit. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you.
2: I have no idea. Yes, sir. That's it. Right? The patient is the last one to know. The patient is the last one to to come to a self-realization, if it ever happens, when that decline is evident. But it is evident to everybody who is watching, even as the reporter said, to Democrats who watch him and listen to him, who know that he is literally just not all there anymore. But he was there enough yesterday... To make some extraordinary statements, some extraordinarily embarrassing statements, quite frankly, uh, about so many issues with respect to to the way his first year in office has been run. I want you to listen to this very important question from a reporter who takes a, a good deal of time here to list all of the failures of Brandon in year number one. Before Brandon drops one of the most extraordinary lines uh, that you will hear or you probably have heard in a very, very long time, listen to this one. We've seen
4: the grit and determination of the American people this past year, but the best days of this country are still ahead of us, not behind us. I'm happy to take questions.
5: Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. I know some of my colleagues will get into some specific issues, but I wanted to zoom out on your first year in office. Inflation is up. Uh, Your signature domestic legislation is stalled in Congress. In a few hours from now, the Senate, uh, an effort in the Senate to deal with voting rights and voting uh, voting reform legislation is going to fail. COVID-19 is still taking the lives of 1,500 Americans every day, and the nation's divisions are just as raw as they were a year ago. Did you overpromise to the American public what you could achieve in your first year in office? And how do you plan to course correct going forward? Why are you such an optimist?
4: Look, I didn't overpromise, but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen.
2: Did did, did, Did you hear that? Despite that litany, and that was a very, 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 very short list. Of all of the problems that Brandon has created or failed to resolve in year number one, he said, I didn't overpromise, I outperformed what was expected. Now before I play the rest of that clip, I want you to ponder what that means. If he believes that what has happened in year one is outperforming what was expected, that means he's saying things could get worse. If he doesn't outperform again, things could get worse than they are now with our poorest southern border, with our record high inflation, with our empty shelves, with our, our, our extraordinary uh, weakness of our military, with our horrendous foreign policy, uh, with our energy prices going through, through the roof, with our gasoline prices at the pump crippling all of us. He's literally saying that I outperformed what was expected. That means things could go much worse than this. If he doesn't outperform next time, Lord only knows what this country will look like. I have an article in front of me that is headlined, Experts warn empty shelves and food shortages are going to continue for many weeks to come. Now, I read that yesterday, and I read the article And it dawned on me how extraordinary it is to read the words empty shelves and America in the same sentence or the same article. When you think of empty shelves, when you think of food shortages, the word food shortages isn't supposed to be in the same sentence with the word America. When the word food short, words, food shortages are uttered, you think of what? You think of Ecuador. You think of Honduras. You think of Nicaragua. You think of Haiti. You think of third world countries that cannot feed their people. You don't think of the United States of America. But for the first time since the Great Depression... We're talking about food shortages. People can't get the food needed to feed their families. And if they do get it, they're paying 10, 12, 18, to 20% more than they paid a year ago, depending on the items. Food shortages in America. Food shortages in the richest, most prosperous country on the face of the planet. Food shortages. And Joe Biden says, I outperformed expectations. You Try to reconcile that. I'm not going to play the rest of that clip now. It's 9.23. I'm going to take a out. I've got more. And I hope to hear from you as well. We're going to talk to a couple of great guests I mentioned uh, before, but I didn't tell you they were. Jonas Schultz is going to join us, a uh, candidate for Congress. And, of course, Dr. Everett Piper will be with us at 10.10, as he is each and every Thursday. You're listening to Always Right on AM 1420 The Answer
0: when the stupidity of the left hurts oh god i hurt a little bit i'm all right always right with bob france oh god i felt good yeah
2: on am 1420 the answer so joe biden was chastising one reporter for listing his failures and saying i've actually outperformed what was expected He went on to criticize Republicans. In fact, I am going to play the rest of that clip as I continue. He went on to criticize Republicans for being the cause of all of his problems in his first year in office.
4: The fact of the matter is that uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that not long ago. It's coming down.
2: Everything's changing. It's getting better. Look, um, I didn't know... There were 200,000 deaths, roughly, in the worst year of the pandemic before the vaccines became available, the quote-unquote vaccines, the profit shots. There are now just under 900,000 deaths, and he's telling you it's dropping. It's getting better. We promise.
4: But I think if you take a look at what we've been able to do, uh, you'd have to acknowledge we made enormous progress. But one of the things that I think is something that uh, one thing I
2: haven't been able to do so
4: far is get my Republican friends to get in the game of
2: making things better in this country. So you see, his failures are not his failures. They're the Republicans' failures. Even though he has the majority in the House and the tie-breaking majority in the Senate. It's full Democrat rule. And he's blaming his inability to get anything positive done for this country on the minority party. They can't stop anything without Democrat help. <laughs> but he wants to blame the Republicans. So he chastised that reporter. He screamed full on at this one. This is this is angry old Uncle Joe when his temper gets the best of him, which happens a lot, you dog-faced pony soldier. It happens a lot with this guy. Old man screams at cloud. Cue it up.
5: You you campaigned and and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or or George Wallace. But you said that they would be sort of in the the same camp. No, Uh, I didn't say that. Look what
4: I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me. If you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor, that they were Bull Connor, and that is an interesting reading of in English. You, you, I assume you got in the in the journals because you like to write. So, did you expect that that would
5: work with Senators Manchin or or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the
4: thing: there's certain things that are so consequential, you have to speak from your heart as well as your head.
2: I was speaking out forcefully on what I think to be at stake. He spoke out forcefully and said, if you vote against this legislation, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, or at least to blow up the filibuster to get to the legislation, then you're on the side of George Wallace Bull, Wallace Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis. Yes, we can read, Joe, and we don't have to be in journalism to be able to do that. And for you, by the way, to raise your voice and dress down a reporter who's asking a very legitimate question, which is, do you think this is uniting people to call your political adversaries and those who disagree with you segregationists, racists, and outright confederates? Do do you think that's the right thing to do? This man has completely lost his way. And that's a rough statement because I don't know that he ever knew his way. I don't know that he ever knew his way. If he did, he has lost it. I'll repeat, thank God, that Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin knew the way they wanted to go last night, which is the way of what's best for the country. Not what's best for the party, not what's best for Joe Biden's agenda, not what's best for the Democrats' ability to cheat and steal and commit fraud in this coming midterm election this fall. No, they knew what was right for this country is keeping its Senate rules in place so that we don't just, every time the majority flips over to the other party, we undo everything by a simple majority vote that the previous Senate did. Okay, 9.30, there's so much more from that press conference to talk about, and I'll do it when I can, I promise. But we are going to talk to Jonah Schultz coming up next. He's a candidate for Congress. We'll get his reaction to that as well, uh, to what we saw yesterday. And that'll be next, right here on Always Right, AM 1420, The Answer.
0: media is always left. Tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer.
2: 936. Good Thursday morning to you. Thanks for being with us again on AM 1420. The answer. Always right. Never left. Always right. Never wrong. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Everett Piper. Dr. Everett Piper's got some very important things to discuss with us regarding CRT and Christianity. How they are literally the polar opposite of one another we 're going to talk to him about that as well as a couple of other issues, including a pretty broad statement made today by the national uh, uh, NCAA National Collegiate Athletic Association regarding trans athletes and whether or not they can perform um, in a field outside of their that of their biological birth, their biological um, uh, uh, sex so we 're going to talk to Dr. Piper about that. But right now, what I want to do is I want to welcome Jonas Schultz back to our program with reaction to yesterday's Joe Biden press conference, first one he has held in months. Um, it may be we may have seen a reason why he doesn't hold these press conferences yesterday because it was an absolute train wreck. Jonah, thanks for joining us. You're a candidate for Congress in Ohio 13 for now. Uh, thanks for joining us. How are
5: you? I'm great, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, and I, I hope you're having a great start to year number three of 15 days to slow the spread.
2: <laughs> yes yeah just, just just day number three uh hey john I, I said you know for ohio 13 the way the districts were redrawn <clears throat> but uh the supreme court has said that district those districts need to be redrawn again i talked to jack windsor about that last week he said they had 10 days to come up with a new less gerrymandered map do you know where that stands do you know what cities and what areas you are going to be uh, uh you know the district that you're running for is going to encompass now
5: no, we're still waiting to hear kind of any details on what's going on with that. We expect it to remain similar to how it is where we have Medina County, portions of Cuyahoga, and Summit. Uh, but this whole process has been kind of a train wreck. And I think it kind of illustrates a lot of the problems with our politics, which all of these systems are really set up to disadvantage outsider and challenging candidates uh, very often. These, these systems, the longer we kick the can down the road, the more it empowers individuals who have big money, who are supported by the establishment who are incumbents and i think this is just one example of that so we're we're kind of champing it a bit here to really know exactly where we're rolling but right now we're still we're still pounding the pavement we're still going to we're still going door to door uh and and we're going to just roll with whatever the outcome is of this redistricting <laughs>
2: Jonas Schultz is my guest. He's a candidate for Ohio 16, but really turning into 13, and that may change a little bit, too, depending on what the uh, uh, the new district maps look like. But he is a candidate for Congress. Yesterday, in Biden's press conference, first one that he's held in months, uh, and this, of course, because it's one year into the uh, train wreck of the Brandon administration, one of the things that he said, that he has said before in comments, uh, you know, not in full-on press conferences, but in other uh, briefings, he said that the Republican party isn't, doesn't stand for anything. He said, what, do, what is the Republican party for? What are they for? He said, all they are is against everything that I want to do. They're trying to stop me from being successful. He identified Mitch McConnell by name, trying to stop me from being successful no matter what I try to do. But what is the Republican party for? Let me ask you, if you go into Congress and you remember the Republican party, what are you for? What is the party for?
5: Well, the Republican Party needs to fully become the party of the individual and the party of the family. How do we empower those two entities to fully dictate their own life and destiny? And, and it is true to some extent that the Republican Party for so long has been a weak opposition party that really doesn't know what it stands for. And as we've empowered these kind of insider uh, establishment Republicans, these rhinos like Anthony Gonzalez, like Kevin McCarthy, individuals like them, But what the Republican Party has to stand for is we have to stand for medical freedom. We have to stand for our own health care decisions. We have to stand for the American worker actually imposing tariffs on our enemies like China, actually stopping the flow of these goods that are coming in via uh, uh, child and slave produced labor, actually putting the American people first, not the two million illegal immigrants that have come over our border in the past year. And I... And not many people have seen that recently the Joe Biden administration is allowing illegal immigrants to fly by using identification of an arrest warrant or a deportation warrant. That's how far we've gone off the deep end on that end. Uh, and, and the party that empowers individuals to manage their own business, not not be locked down, not be have every single one of their moves dictated, but truly on every single issue, whether it's your business, whether it's your medical freedom where is your second amendment right we want to empower you we want to get the power out of dc we want to get the power out of state capitals and we want to put it with the people where it belongs and that's what the republican party has to stand for
2: um but do they i'm gonna give you a chance to to answer that again because at the beginning if i didn't you know unless i unless i misunderstood you you said that the Republican Party has just become the opposition party, and it should be for these things. You don't think they are right now? You don't think they're fighting for and standing for all of the things that you just listed and more?
5: I think they are becoming the party of the individual. But let's let's look at the Ohio legislature for an example. Right? How long did we languish under mask mandates, under lockdowns, after the uh, under the tyrannical mandate of DeWine and the Ohio Department of Health. And we had a Republican supermajority. We had we had a chance to stand for all of those things. Right. We had a Republican controlled White House, Senate and uh, House of Representatives uh, for two years. And, and what do we have to show for it? And so Republicans have to learn to legislate aggressively, have to learn to go on the offensive, not just be this defensive party. So what I think what is happening right now is a shift in the Republican Party, you know, really. uh You know, correlating with with Donald Trump and his presidency and bringing kind of this new attitude, this new working class mentality to the Republican Party. And that's what needs to happen moving forward. I think this primary season is the most important moment. This May 3rd primary in Ohio, the most important moment for our Republican Party and for our nation to ensure that we're sending true constitutional conservatives because we've seen the Republican Party fail. The, the, uh, the officials that we've elected fail time and time again to defend our rights and to actively legislate. And so I think the Republican Party is shifting in the right direction, but we the people have to continue to push it in that direction and not rely on on these few donors, on these few families, on these few insiders to, to make these decisions. It has to be a true party that is guided by we the people. And I think we are, we are doing just that right now. And that's why the Democrats and people like Joe Biden are starting to, uh, start, starting to get a little scared.
2: Interesting. Uh, Jonah Schultz is my guest. He's a candidate for Congress. Um See, I don't, I don't, I don't measure anything by the weak-willed cowards in the uh, in the uh, ORP uh, or in the state house. Uh, they are exactly that. They are weak-willed and they're cowards. They refuse to use the power of their supermajority. But I don't judge the Republican Party when Joe Biden says, "What are Republicans for?" By people like that, I judge them for uh, by the fact that 78 million of us uh, voted for America First agendas, for lower taxes, for uh, uh, energy independence, for free speech, for parental rights, for a secure border, for smaller government, for, you know, uh, 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 crime and punishment actually to be restored rather than a soft on crime defund the police approach. I think there is a lot of very strong things that the Republican Party writ large and just Republican voters in general stand for. When Joe Biden says the Republicans don't stand for anything, all they want to do is be um, uh, they want to be uh, um, oppositional to him. I I just think that's wrong. I think the Republican Party and the P- Republican movement in this country, thanks to the America First agenda from the last four years, which has carried over now, I think it's as strong and as united toward those things as, as as it's been in a very long time.
5: And I totally agree with you. I you know I'm referring specifically to the leadership that has really taken over our party. The people are are stronger than we've ever been. You know, I, I travel to all these events, and the Republicans that I meet with are more united and more uh more energetic than i I've, I've ever seen and it is truly the the people cuz we are the ones that are living on the ground facing the issues day to day playing by the rules that are put down upon us unlike much of our republican party leadership so when i talk to republicans on the ground there is a there is a huge divide between we the people the republicans here on the ground living and breathing every single day in the united states and those few Leaders that have uh, been very squishy on most of these issues, and so that's why I say reform the Republican Party. Actually, reforming it into the party that is truly representing the Republicans here on the ground, and that's why people like me are, are stepping up and running. Uh, but absolutely, you're, you're you're absolutely correct that the people, the Republicans, those 78 million who voted for Donald Trump, and 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 more people waking up all around this country uh, coming around to the Republican side of thinking and, and just understanding that their their rights come from God and not from somebody like Dr. Fauci or Joe Biden. Uh, those are the people that are going to make this Republican Party great in their leadership and on the ground.
2: Jonah, um, let's go back to Biden and his speech yesterday, uh, because I think, and it's kind of been proven historically, um, that midterm elections are often a referendum on the way the presidency is going. Um, and, and and here's, here's a, a poll that came out yesterday morning from Politico and the Morning Consult. Maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. It asked uh, American voters to grade Joe Biden. Eleven percent of the respondents, and this crosses over all sections of ideology, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, 11 percent gave Biden an A. Twenty percent gave him a B. 18% gave him a C or a D. 37%. More than a third of this country graded him with an F. 37% said this is an F. How do you think that is going to. And oh, and by the way. Uh, Biden's response to that in the press conference was interesting yesterday. If I could, sir, and I should have said this
5: before, Francesca Chambers-McClatchy. How do you plan to win back moderates and independents who cast a ballot for you in 2020, but polls indicate aren't happy with the way you're doing your job now?
2: I don't believe the polls (laughs) <laughs> how is was his answer. I don't believe the polls. They're wrong. Uh, people love me. I'm doing a great job. This is a guy who actually said on live television, yeah, I agree, let's go Brandon. Had no earthly idea how much people despise him or what, what let's go Brandon means. So back to my original question, all of those numbers being what they are about Joe Biden and his response to them, how does it impact uh, November and the midterms?
5: Well, let's keep in mind, too, that most of these polls are left-leaning pollsters as well. So these numbers could be a lot worse than we're actually being uh, allowed to understand. But True. I think Joe Biden's administration, in many ways, it's been a blessing in disguise because it's, it's woken up so many people. Because so many people, they were drawn in by the corporate media, they were drawn in by big tech, and they were told, if you just vote for this plain, vanilla, you know, old guy with dementia, things will go back normal. It will end this chaos and and you can just live your lives at peace. And that was obviously a lie. It was always an opening for the left to just put their foot on the gas even further. But it's woken up so many people. We have this great opportunity coming up in in these midterms to send this red wave. And I I think you're going to see a colossal Republican victory that's going to manifest itself in true liberty first, America first leadership. So we should be extremely uh, optimistic about what's going on but 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 as republicans we can't take our foot off the gas because one thing that the left does really well is they are persistent they are relentless and they never slow down even when they're, whether they're in their majority or the minority and so as republicans we have to learn that it's not about just getting our energy up every election cycle it's about 365 days a year 24 7 how do we keep this liberty movement going, use our energy, use our God-given talents and abilities on the ground to keep this movement going. And I think that that's what you're seeing beyond just this political wave that you're going to see on the Republican side. You are seeing this activist wave on the ground. You're seeing more people involved than you've ever seen before. And I think that that is the biggest thing that we should be excited about is all of these people from all of these different walks of life, different skin colors, different, uh, different, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different uh, upbringing. They're all coming together and realizing that, hey, I want my God-given rights back. I want the ability to dictate my own life and destiny. I want to be able to operate my own business, make my own health care decisions. And that's going to really push people onto the side of of the, 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 the true conservative Republican side that is all about fighting for our Constitution and our God-given rights. And I think November, we're going to see some big-time wins.
2: Jonah, last question for you. Uh, last night, the uh, Senate did hold that vote. Chuck Schumer had to know what the results were going to be, but he wanted to put Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema in the spotlight and make them cast that vote publicly against changing the filibuster and thus against uh, the federalization of the vote, uh, taking voting uh, rights away or voting uh, provision uh, decisions away from the states. So this, of course, has been a huge, huge issue. So my question for you is, if you... Uh, disagreed with Chuck Schumer's position on this, and you also don't want to blow up the filibuster and federalize the vote. Um, which do you identify more with, Bull Connor, George Wallace, or Jefferson Davis?
5: <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, I, I think gotta I got to be one of them. On, them so according
2: I'm... to the president, got to be one of them. Which yeah. one do you like?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's 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 the fallback now. Obviously, every single issue—if you disagree with the Democrats on any single issue—you're obviously a racist, right? they they've, they've lost total touch of what that word means you just it, it racist is just a a uh, it, it's just used in place of the word bad or i don't agree with you're a racist obviously but with the filibuster hey america won our way of life won our political tradition won our constitution won our our our, our people won here and, and i think people understand the vast majority of people and and, and thank goodness for for mansion and cinema who who asserted that you know we live in a republic that is built a you know on protecting the rights and interests of all Americans, not just the controlling party or uh, those with a razor-thin uh, majority in the Senate or the House or, or wherever. And I, I think we reasserted that we are a country that is built on defending the rights and interests of all people, and and that's, that's the way we have to use moving forward because this was a system that was built to represent all of these different people, all these different ways of life, all of these different states, uh, and that tradition won last night.
2: Jonah Schultz is a candidate for Congress. Jonah, what's your website?
5: SchultzforCongress.com
2: That's pretty easy to remember. SchultzforCongress.com Jonah, thanks for your thoughts and insight and reactions to yesterday's events. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again.
5: Thanks so much, Bob. Nine
2: fifty-two. Got time for some phone calls before Everett Piper, Dr. Piper, joins us after the top of the hour. So if you want to dial, do it now. 216-901-0945-Triple 888 281 1110 right here on the answer.
0: Always right with Bob France on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
2: Okay, nine fifty five. Got time for a call or two here. I also have more Joe Biden audio. I want to play. I'll save that for hour number two after we talk to Doctor Everett Piper, including Joe Biden's international green light given to Russia and Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine, as long as it's a minor incursion. You heard that correctly yesterday, and so did Ukraine. Understand that. So did Ukraine. If Donald Trump held a national press conference and said, we're going to hold Putin accountable if he does something, unless it's a minor incursion, a minor invasion of a sovereign nation, eh, you know, (laughs) boys will be boys. You know, what are you going to do? But if they do anything severe, well, then, boy, we're going to give them the diplomacy of a lifetime. I think about that. What would, the, what would the press have said? What would you say? Joe Biden just gave a green light to Vladimir Putin from the United States saying, if it's a minor incursion, who decides what's minor, by the way? Just curious about that. Joe Biden, Tony Blinken? Who gets to decide that? i got more on that later on. Let me go to Will. Will is calling me from Houston, Texas, right here on Always Right AM 1420, the answer in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Will, what's up, my friend?
3: Hey, my brother, how you doing today?
2: Doing well, uh, you,
3: you know, I had a, I was, um, I was really happy about what 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 happened last night, and and I'm I'm glad that Manchin and cinema, you know, kind of got that steel spine that you were talking about. But I'm curious if you've heard if you've heard what their next, um, what the Democrats' next actions are s- supposed to be. Um, I'm, I'm hearing that they're supposed to, I guess, strip out part. Of the Of these bills, and I guess enforce votes on like each like individual portion of it you know um I, you know you can't you can't put anything past these these people man they they're gonna they're gonna drag this on all the way to november they're gonna do everything they can because they don't have anything else. the board is wide open, inflation' sky high and this 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 race thing this is the only thing that they have so so what better way to drag this all the way out. Better way to do it than than um, strip out individual parts and force votes on it. So, I mean, I'm happy for what happened, but I'm still kind of concerned because we, you know, even cinema said, "Well, I support voter right, blah blah blah," but she was just against the filibuster. So, Correct. I mean, so this 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 may be a way for them to try to force. Their hand by going down each individual. I, I, individual. Don't, I don't think it'll
2: matter, Will. To answer your question, buddy, uh, I don't okay. think it'll matter because um, even if they did want to vote for the Voting Rights Act, if it was called for a vote, they would still have to uh, get Mansion on board as well. And I don't think they're going to be able to change enough of them for for them to be willing to um, blow up the filibuster. I, I really don't. I you know this is what they can't get to that vote unless. Um, you know, they get the fifty-fifty vote with the Kamala Harris tiebreak. In fact, Kamala Harris was asked this by Savannah Guthrie. I don't know if you heard it, but she was asked this by I Savannah do you- Guthrie. Don't you think that you should have, on the Voting Rights Act, should you have been willing to compromise a little bit, or as you say, strip out certain parts of it in order to make it more appealing to get all the Democrats on board, or maybe even get a Republican vote for it to get it through as well? And maybe it's she's asking the wrong person because Kamala Harris had no clue; she doesn't have cl- a clue about anything. But but you know they had to have considered this, will. They had to have considered this before. They knew they were going to lose. They knew they weren't going to pass this filibuster blow up uh and then pass this the way it was. Why would they have why wouldn't they have done this from the beginning and and took some of the most controversial provisions out of it in order to get Mansion and, and send them on board to say okay, now that I can go for.
3: Well, the way I'm understanding it is it sounds like to me that they're they're the, the filibuster is not, not going to be a, in, in question anymore. That, that's that's dead and, and gone. So now they're going to actually, you know, have them vote on just individual parts of it, like individual things that they want.
2: Yeah, but you know, but, but 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 be. unless they blow up the filibuster, it's still going to take sixty votes to do it. Though that's the thing; they're still going to have to bring Republicans on board. It, it's it's going to take sixty votes to pass a federal voting rights act. Uh, to take the, you know, and, and, and unless they're going to piecemeal it and vote on 15 different provisions of it, and some will pass that's and some what, will not, I, but I don't that's think that's what, what that's they're
3: going to do. Think, that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to have 50, like a bunch of different votes on a bunch of different little items, and and, and and that way, you know, you can force Manchin, okay, Manchin and, and Senator, okay, well, you don't want this, well, what about this? Okay, you don't want that, so what about this?
2: But even even so, even fantasy. even so, though, if if all of those things are added up, it would it would add up to a major shift in American election policy, and it would still require two thirds of a vote, or not two thirds, it would still require sixty votes. They would still have to pull in not just Mansion and Cinema, they'd have to pull in Republicans unless they blew up the filibuster to make it the simple majority. Uh, and again, Mansion and Cinema have made that very clear. They're not going to blow up the filibuster, uh, whether it's to vote for a whole bunch of little bills or one big bill. They're not going to do that. And unless the, unless yeah. They, you, know, you that, So that's a, unless they can pull in Republicans, you know. And there aren't ten Anthony is in the Senate. Uh, you know what I mean? There aren't, there aren't 10 of the uh, turncoat rhinos that turned against Donald Trump when they voted to impeach him in the House. There aren't 10 of those in the Senate that they can count on. So I, okay. I don't think piecemealing okay. it, Oops. I don't think stripping it down, I think stripping it down might have had a chance. But still, uh, to get 10 Republicans to come along with them, I, I just don't think that's, there's any chance of that. That's why they had to use the filibuster nuclear option in order to make this happen with a, with a simple majority I- vote. I sure hope not, brother. But that, man, I do too, good brother. To to you, you too, my friend. <laughs> I love hearing from you. Thank you, Will. It's a good guy, Will, down in Houston, Texas. Okay. 10.01, a little late to getting out, so we'll uh, hurry up and come right back with Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420 News.